0: United States and the Soviet Union on a sheet of ice in Lake Placid, New York. Muller trying to turn. There's the left foot. What a tracking shot. Johnny Muller. If
1: you see a 9-9, Olga Corbetts won a gold medal. There it is. Five seconds left in the game.
2: You're listening to a podcast from Key Moments in Cold War Sports History, an online archive series showcasing the work of expert historians. I'm Vince Hunt, and I'll be hosting the series, asking each guest to choose an important document or artifact they think is of great significance in the Cold War sports arena.
1: Rocky Ford.
2: The role of sport in Cold War cinematic propaganda has fascinated scholars since the earliest days, and perhaps no character more than Rocky. Hollywood picked up the idea of sporting heroes, and Tony Shaw, history professor at the University of Hertfordshire, will discuss this in a moment. Denise Youngblood, professor of history at the University of Vermont, will discuss the Soviet filmmakers' take on sport, which is somewhat different. Well, I'm here with Denise and Tony, and and Tony... Let's start with Rocky. He's an all-American hero, really, something of a pastiche by the end of his career, but an important propaganda tool, isn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah. He was an American hero emerging from the late seventies into the eighties. But this is one of the the most hard propagandistic movies which Hollywood produces throughout the whole of the Cold War. And of course, we see uh, Rocky, Rocky Balboa, uh, eventually beating. Ivan Drago, who's this six foot eight character, uh, Rocky goes to Moscow to beat the Soviets on their own soil, uh, beats Ivan. And then uh, before he leaves the ring, gives this speech to the whole uh, to the whole Politburo uh, and the Soviet audience about the need for peace uh, between the two sides. Uh, And and in a way, this is what Ronald Reagan himself
2: was arguing by that stage, uh, and this, of course, is only a few years before the Berlin Wall comes down. And, of course, this is in the, in the Reagan period, isn't it? And uh, what strikes me about Rocky Four, because that's the film, it is, it is somewhat polarised. Uh, Denise, how did this play with Soviets? audiences, the Soviet public? I mean, did they laugh at
1: this? Well, they were not able to see any of the Rocky films, but they were certainly talked about in the Soviet press. They were uh, seen as examples of the exaggeration of American or Hollywood propaganda, uh, its demonization of the Soviet people, and this then was connected with President Reagan's policies and the escalation of the Cold War during the Reagan era.
0: And we could say as well that Rocky IV isn't the only film of its type to have come out in that Reaganite era. There were a number of films which all presented really uh, Soviet sports men and women as part of a machine, really. And we had what we have. Therefore, is this this cliche of of Americans, the Westerners, being free spirits, uh, whether it be in the boxing ring or on the football field, as opposed to the Soviets, who were more like a machine, robotic, uh, pumped up on steroids. A number of films that came out in the 80s were uh, Miracle on Ice, which is a, a sort of American celebration of the American college kids as they were presented defeating the, the Red soviet machine in the hockey olympics of 1980 and a movie came out in um, just before rocky four which was showing eastern Bloc gymnasts like nadia kominets who was something of an international celebrity by this by this stage as again being treated terribly by their coaches and being driven to all all manner of uh, lengths including illness etc uh, just so the soviets will win
1: the image of the Soviet athlete uh, and coach uh, presented in Soviet cinema is exactly the opposite of the way Hollywood cinema presented Soviets. So, on film, uh, Soviet athletes are uh, very selfless, uh, they're very disciplined, they're very moral, they play fair, they are interested in winning for the team, for their country, for their motherland. They are, in short, the opposite of professional. And the way um, Western or American athletes are presented on the Soviet screen is is that they are hardcore professionals. Victory means everything to them. They do not fight fair. They play dirty. They are backed by big money. So it's truly a good example of warring propagandas uh, in the cinema.
0: Most uh cinematic propaganda using sport on film is not of what we would call sort of hard type overtly anti the other and most of it is what we call soft propaganda that which in a way is is more discreet and which sells the virtues of your side rather than criticizes the 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 evils of the other Uh, and american films were were very clever at this Uh, uh, so if one reaches back further into the cold war into the 1940s and 1950s we have movies uh, i picked up on one which is called strategic air command which is a a jimmy stewart melodrama from the mid-1950s where jimmy stewart plays a a baseball a, a sort of rather aging baseball star who's persuaded by one of his buddies from the air force to to give up baseball to give up fame and fortune on the baseball diamond in exchange for being part of america's peacetime nuclear force and so what we have here in other words is this interweaving of patriotism sport and the military in a sort of nice family melodrama showing us that, showing the Americans anyway, that they, they have to make changes to the way they're living, including sportsmen. Um, perhaps, in other words, that the Cold War is, is, is bigger than all of us. It's not just what we see directly, maybe on the, on the TV screens, but it, it, it also creeps under the radar on many occasions.
1: The Soviets also made quite a number of soft propaganda films that showed the values of being a Soviet citizen and interestingly, uh, many of the sports films are actually comedies, uh, romantic comedies and musical comedies, which is something that uh, Americans wouldn't uh, connect with a sport film.
0: Today the Soviet Union has officially entered
2: professional boxing.
1: This is not just an exhibition
2: fight. Look, this is us against them.
0: He would like to compete against anyone who's qualified.
2: One thing that's interesting me, Tony, is that you've mentioned uh, Jimmy Stewart and then this Sylvester Stallone as being uh, Rocky. These are household names. There's Hollywood behind this. There's such a huge uh, amount of investment in this propaganda. Hollywood isn't independent of uh, government at this stage.
0: We always associate... Soviet cinema and Soviet media as being part of the state, as being influenced by the Soviet government. But we have plenty of evidence now because the archives, uh, to a great extent, have opened up. We have evidence of American filmmakers being influenced, being subsidized, being uh, encouraged by the likes of the Pentagon, by even the CIA or the State Department into making movies which will sell America overseas, which will perhaps reshape the poor image that America has overseas and one theme in particular which the American government was very wary of uh, was the the theme of race and perceived racial discrimination, this notion that the African-American was a second-class citizen. Uh, And we have uh, examples of Numerous movies being made, sometimes entirely independently by Hollywood, sometimes uh, at the behest of government, of movies presenting African-Americans who can reach the very top of American sports, who can integrate into American society, and therefore can start to counter the argument that the Soviets made that America wasn't really a, a society that was equal, it couldn't be a beacon of equality in the world. One such film we could talk about would be the Jackie Robinson story, which came out in 1950. Jackie Robinson was famous for having uh, broken the, the colour bar in baseball in the late 1940s, and this film came out uh, soon afterwards and really is a, is a sort of very uplifting story of, of how Jackie Robinson can make it like other black athletes in America can break, the problems that black Americans have had for a long time. And at the very end of that film, interestingly, Jackie Robinson makes a statement in front of Congress, which he says that all African Americans will or are going to have to fight the Cold War for their country, in contrast with what a number of black Americans on the political left in this period were saying that one such character was Paul Robeson, an actor and a sportsman. He was saying that black Americans shouldn't fight for America because they really didn't have what they'd been
2: fighting for 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 a couple of generations. Denise, did the Soviets put so much emphasis on propaganda by bringing in uh, high-profile filmmakers?
1: That's a really interesting question. Uh, in general, uh, they did. The Soviet film industry had been nationalized since 1919, and um, cinema was considered to be the most important form of propaganda in the Soviet Union. And many Cold War films did feature very high production values and really big-name stars, and they're they're fairly entertaining. However, with the Cold War sports film, uh, those tended to be delegated to lower-profile directors and not very well-known stars and had fairly low budgets. So it provides a real contrast to the American, the Hollywood example.
2: And what kind of themes were the Soviet films picking up on?
1: What they wanted to show was the superiority of the Soviet way of life. Uh, They needed to do this for their own people. They also needed to do this for uh, the East European bloc states where their films were also shown. You have to keep in mind that despite the use of the term iron curtain, the iron curtain really wasn't iron. It was really quite porous and there was considerable influence of West European culture and also American culture in the Soviet Union uh, in the post-war period after Stalin's death so that Soviet films were competing not with the Rockies, because those were never shown in the Soviet Union, but with, with uh, film stars like Elizabeth Taylor, the movie Cleopatra. Uh, there were a lot of American films that were shown in the Soviet Union. Soviet audiences preferred them. And so Soviet filmmakers were really in a conundrum as to how to be as entertaining and yet politically correct at the same time. Drago
2: is the most perfectly trained athlete ever.
1: Whatever he hits, he destroys.
2: As scholars of the two different styles, which do you think Denise is the superior form?
1: There's no question that Hollywood won the cinematic Cold War. Soviet directors were always constrained by having much less money than their Hollywood counterparts. They were constrained by not being able to present really sensationalized stories. They could have romance, but it couldn't get too erotic. Uh, they, they could have beautiful uh, actresses, but not too glamorous. And so when looking at the two products side by side, there's no question which is more entertaining, and it's definitely the Hollywood film.
0: I think we both agree on this. Uh, I think part of the reason as well is the fact that from a very, very early stage in its development, Hollywood is always thinking about uh, how it can make money overseas. Mm -hmm. And this is the case even more perhaps during the Cold War after 1945, when TV comes along and starts to bite into uh, the cinematic market. So it becomes even more important for Hollywood to make money, not just in the US, but elsewhere. And therefore, it's thinking about how it can sell movies worldwide. And that brings with it a certain, you know, how is it going to present America? How is it going to appeal to lots of different markets, to lots of people from different cultures, speaking different languages? And it just makes a Hollywood product more appealing on an international scale. Now, you could argue that... That, that's not necessarily propagandistic, that's about money. But propaganda
2: and money are always interwoven in many ways. Denise, you're the expert in Soviet film. For students wishing to know more, could you perhaps recommend a, a classic of the Soviet genre?
1: The two classic examples are a film from the late Stalin era called "Sporting Honor," which is quite a delightful um, comedy um, about uh, Soviet uh, soccer football and uh, the competition between two young athletes for who's going to get the, you know, the star starting uh, position. Uh, there's there's romance. There's there's competition uh, within the team. There is a Great coach, very, you know, very nice guy, and they end up uh, winning the national championship. They get to go abroad to play. They manage to out-fox Western skullduggery on the field and win the game. That was a film that really attracted audiences. I think not because of the anti-Western sentiments that were tacked on at the end, but really because it's just fun. It's a fun, entertaining uh, film. and that's That's one that I'd certainly recommend.
2: Tony, um, if we take Rocky as being maybe a high or low point of uh, anti-Soviet propaganda, what would you pick if Rocky wasn't in the video library? If you want a film which
0: really uh, criticises, perhaps, the way that the military and sport uh, were interconnected by the latter stages of the Cold War, then you could look at a documentary uh, which won an Oscar in, in the mid It's called Hearts and Minds. And this is a documentary, it's not about sport, uh, it's about the Vietnam War, but the way in which it uses clips of sport, of cheerleaders at football games, uh, and connects those to the gung-ho, imperialistic nature of the United States by the 1970s, it really makes you think about what role sport played in american culture during the cold
2: war you've been listening to a podcast from the series key moments in cold war sports history a project bringing together experts from around the world and hosted here on the wilson center's online digital archive at digitalarchive.org